Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. Let's go. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. From your from your prestigious uh, all of your prestigious uh, years that you have within the professional wrestling business, so we thank you for being on the show tonight. Well, Chris, Chris, thanks a lot. And you know, uh, again, I apologize. We're gonna have to cut this one short tonight. We had something come up at home here, yeah. but uh, uh, we can always do a part three if I don't get to everything to bury uh, Eric Bischoff tonight. I do have to do uh, this week. They're doing a documentary at the WWE. Yeah. And he called me, and I said, what do, you, what do you want from me? you want the truth, or do you want me to lie? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying he, that last time on the show. Elaborate on that one. Yeah, he said, um, I don't know how to take that from you. He said, did you ever read my book? And I said, no, I didn't know you wrote one. He said, well, I said some really nice things in there about you and your dad. It's not terrific. I said, well, we'll play it by ear, see what happens. Yeah. So, there you have it. Now, where are we going? Are we going back to Turner days, or yeah, what are we talking uh, about tonight, buddy? I think we kind of brushed over uh, Bischoff before, but I, you know what's so funny? I, I watched the uh, Bischoff, uh, the, the part two that he had with JBL, and he was talking about just how WCW was just unwinding just so rapidly towards like 98, 99. Now, when did you work for WCW? I worked in uh, 98. 93 to 95. Okay. 
Now, and, Bischoff uh, well, was coming at that time, right? Well, Bischoff had, had worked for us. He, he came in one day, he was selling ninja suits out of the trunk of his car. And uh, trying to get to uh, do commercials on our TV show. And uh, McMahon had just stole our last uh, announcer from us that day. So he was there, and one of the production guys says, why don't we see if he can uh, do an interview? So they worked with him for a couple of days, and then that's how he ended up doing the interviews for us. And uh, Jim Hurd had come in, have a meeting with my dad and I. Uh, at that time, he was running PW. And he wanted to, um, he, he wanted us to, uh, you know, work with him. And then he started giving us ideas. I mean, his big idea was he was going to get a, excuse the terms, but this is what they used back there, a hunchback midget dressed up in an old English outfit like a king. Yeah. And nobody could pin him because he was a hunchback. Yeah. And my dad and I rolled our eyes, and we didn't have much more to con talk to the gym about because he was taking wrestling in a total different direction than, you know, the way my father thought it should be going and the way I did. So about two, three months down the road, Eric now is doing interviews for us, and, and he did a couple special promotions for us, which he did a good job on. Uh, we had an all-star football game against a local radio station here, and we – we had some of the former Viking players on one team, and they had some on the other, and we had other athletes. And we drew uh, 21,000 the first year at the Dome and 23,000 the next year. So he was promoting that, and he did a good, did a good job. So they gave him a little more, a little more opportunity to to reach out. Uh, and then he could see that the AWA was getting in a lot of trouble and not really going to go anywhere. And he asked me if I'd help him get a job with Turner. So uh, prior to that, Jim, Jim Hurd had called me, and he said, hey, he called me privately. He says, here's what I'd like you to do. We want to get our show in Minneapolis. We'd like to send you the tape, and if you go over to the station and put ours in in place of yours, um, we'll pay you $100,000. Wow. And, and I said, Jim, are you out of your effing mind? I said, there's no way that I am going to screw my father like that. Are you crazy? And I hung up on him. And then, uh, and then uh, Eric was struggling, so I called down there, and I forget who I talked to. And I said, "Hey, we got a guy up here that uh, you know, if you could place him there somewhere, he's doing a little announcing for him, and uh, I think you could utilize him. He's a hustler." And uh, so that's how he got his job down there. And then shortly after that, Bill Watts was in command, and Bill had called me and wanted me to come down. He said, here's what I don't have. I need somebody that can project out a year on our pay-per-views. And he said, I know, you know, all the guys down here have been come from that, uh, where the territories run weekly, and nobody can see the vision down the road. And uh, I just heard good things about you, and I know your dad, he taught me that's how we do it. Mm -hmm. So could you come down here? So I went down, and <clears throat> he said, I got two days lay out a whole year for me. Well, I had it all done in, uh, the next day for them. The whole, all the cards, all on their pay-per-views. And uh, then that's how I got my job down there. And I had signed a contract with Bill, but didn't, had to bring it back and show a lawyer. So my lawyer said, you know, you need to build some incentives in here, which we did. You know, if the ratings went up and the pay-per-views went up, because I was going to 
they were giving Duffy some time off, and actually Mike Graham and I were going to do most of the booking and laying out the TVs. So we built that in and, and uh, got down there and I'm there about two weeks and hadn't signed my contract yet. And I said, Bill, I'm taking it home this weekend and I'll get it signed for you. Good, bring it back to me. I came back the following, the following Sunday, Monday morning, and we had to go to South Carolina. And we get there and all of a sudden Bill Watts shows up at the matches and he said, uh, oh, in the meantime, an executive producer job came up with the WCW. I'm sorry, prior to that. And Tony Schiavone, um, uh, David Crockett, uh, Joe Petosino, and Eric Bischoff are the four guys applying for it. And I said to Bill, shit, maybe I should go down there and apply for that. Oh, no, it's, it's not a big deal. It's nothing. So now about a week later, we're in South Carolina. Bill comes walking in. And he says, hey, guys, uh, I'm all done. And Eric Bischoff's executive producer, and he's in charge of WCW. Wow. Yeah. So that's how that came down. <laughs> so what was your initial reaction on that? Well, I, I told Bill, I said, Jesus Christ, Bill, you know, you're letting, you're letting, we let four people go in there that really, you know, they think they know wrestling, but they don't. And now we got to listen to him. So Eric that night had me, he ride back to um, Atlanta with him. And I said, Eric, you know, Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, well, how do we turn this thing around? And I said, the only way you're going to turn this around right now, I said, first of all, you can't compete. You guys are trying to compete. You're trying to do the same thing that man's doing. You have to go take a different approach to it. And the only way, if you want impact, we got to get Hogan in here. Well, I don't know Hogan. And I said, well, I'll make the call and see if he's any interested. So I made the call and Hulk was interested. He said, give me a couple of weeks and give me a call back. So in the meantime, my grandma and I are laying out TV and Eric Bischoff comes in the office and he says, Hey, here's your contract. Sign it. I said, Eric, we got seven TV shows to, to lay out. I don't have time to read the contract. It's just Mike and I in here doing this. And Mike said, I'm not signing mine now. I'll get to have a lawyer see it. We'll take it home this weekend. Well, I don't think you'll be able to get home this weekend. We got a lot of work to do. So he came in about four or five times and bugged us. And finally I said, Eric, is it the same as I'd signed with Bill? Yes. So I signed the contract and so did Mike. So we, we finally, uh, we got, we had our first pay-per-view coming up and our ratings started going up and our first pay-per-view did pretty good. And I said, to Eric, you know, Hey, Mike and I are supposed to get bonus on some of this stuff. Well, he said, there's not your contract. Wow. So he'd taken it out of our contract and put it all into his. So that was step one that I'm already hot. Yeah. So now he says, what about Hogan? So I call Hogan and I, I said, okay, here's the deal. Hogan will come in for a meeting and he'll probably, we can probably get a deal done with him. But to do this, and I, and I said, I want, here's what I want. I want a piece of the merchandise he does and I want a piece of the pay-per-views he's on because I didn't get what I had coming from the other deal. No problem. So the next day he calls me. I see, I talked to Bill Shaw. Everything's set. I said, well, get me in writing what you're going to do for me. Well, Bill's going out of town. We've got to see him this week. And I said, just get it in writing from me. So the week went by. Nothing came. The following Monday, I walk into the office. They got a big sign, welcome Hulk. They flew down to Florida, met Hulk down there, and signed him. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so now, wow. now, 
I am just livid. So yeah. we lay, we lay out the first pay per view, and they, they, we got Hogan versus Flair, and uh, and I said, here guys, here's what you need to do. We need to get the USA newspaper. You got to get publicity all over the fucking country on this thing because this can be big. This will be big, and this this is going to help you get that big leap over McMahon. And so I come in, I come in, and and they're all sitting there, and all of a sudden they said. Was well, going to be Hogan and Flair in a cage match, and I said a cage match, guys. You don't have to do that. Let them have a let them have a match. You know, you can always build up to a cage match, but you don't need it for this one. Yeah. What's the the star power is going to draw the thing, and if you if you get out and spend some money and get a big ad in the USA Today out across the country, it's Flair versus Hogan the first time ever. That's all you need. Well, they went with this cage match. I get voted out. And uh, they did okay with it, but not great. So then uh, after that, there was a, a Russian wrestler that my dad and I had come in contact with. A good friend of mine, Jack Kelly, worked for Turner and ran the Goodwill Games, if you remember those. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I was in his office talking to him and and he said, hey, I need some help. He said, I just promoted that to all the big games in Russia. We did huge numbers. But then they took Turner's TV off. And we need, Ted wants to get back on TV there. And I said, well, you know, yeah, I know a guy there. And he is, he is a, uh, he's as famous as Hogan is here in Russia. His name is Alexander Karelin. He had at the time when back-to-back gold medals in Greco-Roman wrestling, and he came into Minneapolis, and my dad and I were going to train him to wrestle. And this guy was something else. We're at the University of Minnesota, and he's on the mat with two Morgan brothers and Michael Foy. All three of them were on the Olympic team. He wrestled all three of them and beat them all within, I don't know, two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. Then he got down on a bench press, and he had 300 pounds, and he started doing reps. And I said to his trainer, so how many reps does he do? He says, oh, he does this for 15 minutes. <laughs> they called him the experiments. You know the shit he had in him. <laughs> wow. So I, I I called him, and I said, Jack, I know how to get on TV there. All we have to do, and I came back to Minneapolis, and we visited with him, and he wanted to do it. I said, now i got to talk to Hogan. I said, we set up a pay-per-view. We get the TV on over there. Bring this guy in for six months on TV here. And I'm telling you, he'll destroy everybody quick. Build him up for that match with Hogan. We'll do, we'll do a pay-per-view in Moscow. We'll do one here. And we'll do a third one in Japan. And I, I said, you'll blow everybody out of the world. So Eric got wind of it. And we were going down to do TV down in uh, Orlando. And I got a call at home. And he said, hey, you don't have to come. You don't have to come down. And I said, why? He said, because you're fired. You went behind my back with this Corellan deal. And you're talking to Hogan and everybody. I said, Eric, why would I go to you with it? You've screwed me three times. Why would I, why would I come to you with it? Right. Ted Turner, my friend Jack Kelly, asked if he, well, I could help him get TV in Russia, and this is how to do it. You didn't have that connection. I did. Mm-hmm. So I flew down Monday, and I was really going up the fourth floor to throw him out the window. But, uh, or the 14th floor of the CNN building, but he was gone. 
So that was my last contact with them. And that's the story. Wow. And that was 20 years ago? That was 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's the way, that was the way everything went down. Yeah. Only before I left, the other thing I forgot, shit, I laid out, I said to Eric, I said, okay, here's the deal. I've been talking to Piper and Sean Michaels and a few other guys up there, and, and I think we can get a bunch of them back. And I said, what you need to do is divide this thing into two leagues. Call Vern, give him, buy the AWA from him, at least the, the logos and the, and the name. And you already got the NWA. Create the two leagues. Flair could be your champion in the NWA, Hogan in the AWA. And now you, you've got your pay-per-view set up every year for you, the two leagues against each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have, like, Flair started in the AWA. He can jump over to the AWA at some time. You can have controversy like that. That's going to mean more than these guys jumping in the ring, hitting these little chairs and all the crap they have going now. Yeah. Well, that'll never work. I'm the only one in there with the TV people, him and I. That won't work. I said, well, it will work. I mean, you gotta, you got to listen to us. It was so hard working with the corporate people at Turner because they didn't like wrestling. They didn't want it on. Mm-hmm. So then and there was just a few days later then when he fired me, and that was right after that where they started the NWO and the WWC. That's how they came up with the two-league deal. The only thing, I never told them how to carry it, you know, all the way out, and they they lost steam because they didn't know where to go with it. He started listening to, you know, Hogan, who wasn't a booker, who brought his friends Kevin Nash and and uh, um, what's the other guy, Ramon, Razor Ramon, in. Scott Hall, yeah, yeah, and uh, but those guys didn't know how you had to build you had to build talent talent behind you to get them ready to take over when those guys left. So that's where they got stuck. They didn't know how to do that. See, that's, that's, you know, I just wrote an article about that today is, is interesting. Perfect. Just, just a perfect thing to say, because a lot of people, I think we see that even in modern day television, mm-hmm. people yeah. like, like the bookers don't know how to create that next breed of top talent. And now no. we're seeing John Cena being the man for 10 years him and Norton are gone, and now there's just a bunch of names that aren't ready to be in that main event spot that just have to be thrust into there, and that's not going to get that organic or natural reaction from the fans. You know, it, you got it, Chris. You, yeah, you just you you said it perfectly. Just just creating that new batch of talent. Well said. Absolutely agree with you. One hundred. Well, see, that's what my father was so good at. That was his forte. He could take young people and, and, and get them ready. So, you know, not bring them along too fast, but bring them along so that when the time was right, they'd put them into the slots. Yes. And, and uh, he always had that group behind. That's why he was always training these people. And they train them then. And, uh, and when I was working for McMahon, uh, we had a match one night with Shawn Michaels, and I forget who it was, but it was a kind of an old-school match. Mm-hmm. And Vince says, why can't my guys do that? I said, well, nobody's teaching it to them. Yeah. This is simple little things yeah. that helps. They don't know how to get themselves over with the public. And first they have to learn the mechanics. Then they have to learn their personality. Mm-hmm. And, and if you shove them in there too quick, 
they might have the mechanics, but they don't know how to establish themselves. And that's that's the key to it. And you have to let them develop the personality underneath. They can't just throw them in there. Yes. And that's what they were doing. Creation. I mean, I was, I was there one day, and the, the, the writers say, hey, we need a pilot, a pirate. And I said, a pirate? What the shit do you need a pirate for? He said, well, because they're, you know, we need one for marketing. So they grabbed this one kid that had been in the camp for two years. I said, he won't, he won't work. He can't do that. The kid, I said, he's almost ready, but not for that. So they brought him in, dressed him up as a pirate. He lasted three weeks, and then they fired him. And I said, you guys, how can you fire this kid? That's not who he is. You can't make somebody be what they're not. Right. Because the guys that really get established in wrestling, they, everybody has this inner personality who they really are. They have to learn how to let that out and become that person. And the people either like them or they won't. And and that's how you do it. But they've got all the answers. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know you got a cut well, for here. I'm sorry I do, Chris. I hope, uh, you know, we get a chance to talk again and, and uh, I'll share a lot of, a lot of old road stories with you that I'm sure you'll get a good, great kick out of. Indeed. I feel a part three that uh, I was going to come on the horizon. So I appreciate you being, uh, you know, so such a contribution to the show and, uh, you know, my first ever part two. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm so glad I had it with you. Uh, I, I scheduled a couple other people to possibly have a part two with, but I'm, uh, you, your interview was probably one of the most, um, one of the most historic and good interviews. Uh, oh my, I've had a dozen interviews on the show, and uh, but it was just something about your interview that I got a lot of good responses about. Just the natural stories that 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 uh, you share, and a, a lot of people, younger old fans, they enjoy those stories because you know they appreciate the business that much more from from that standpoint. So. Well, I've had a lot of experience. I grew up in it, so I've got a lot of a lot of history. And uh, in fact, I'm right now trying to do a reality TV show, telling those old stories. So hopefully, we'll get it on the air here. Indeed. Well, Greg, you have a wonderful evening. Pleasure talking to you. Chris, thank you very much, and I apologize for having to cut it short tonight. And I promise the next time you can have me as long as you want. <laughs> if, if you ever want me again, let's put it that way. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Greg. All right, All right buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners. Three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. 
to the max. And I'm that one again, with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent, to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. <laughs> From here to Saturday, raving, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals, using God for my defense. In Alabama, we jamming, that's beautiful Bobby eating. Me and Priest, we the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking sheep, you all what you speak, this too sweet. Till the number is took back, we repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking, yeah, we shook that. Trusting God, we trust, pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness, some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap, he turning the power on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb, tired of the lies, man, we bringing the truth through, diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too, it's good to be king, sold out this war is brutal, we playing them war games, our army go move too, you crew, I'm in the Raptors, with a bat in my hand, and stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter, in the grand scheme, it's that easy, we tag teaming, sign the brother, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash to the champion. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Episode 188, thank you so much for listening to the Greg Gagne interview. Great job. As always, really, really, really fun. Uh, talking to Greg Gagne is just, just really just soaking in his stories is always amazing. And just really, I just really want to spend some time to really thank Greg. I mean, I, I've had dozens of interviews here on this show, and I think that Greg is really, you know, just just a really stand-up guy. And he had a family emergency today uh, that he notified me about um, a few hours ago, actually. Um, and, you know, it, it just, what he told me was very big. I mean, he told me what the emergency was, and it was very big. But even with that, he still managed to spend 20, you know, take 20 minutes of his time. When he found out, he, he found out not to, he found out, he texted me, and then, you know, still managed to, you know, come on the show for for an interview, um, you know, taking 20 minutes out of his hectic evening and, and uh, tending, you know, ten, taking time away to of tending to his family to talk to us here at the Pancakes and Power Sam show. Major, major kudos to that. So much respect to Greg Gagne. And, and we talked about a part three, and uh, there's some more things, there's more stories, and, you know, a more lengthier part next time. But, hey, listen, 20 minutes away from a family emergency is, is 20 minutes of <laughs> appreciation that I can have for someone to do that for the show. So major kudos to Greg Gagne. Thank you so much. Derek, we're here again in episode 188, sir. Hey, it's episode 188. Greg Gagne was back. Like you had mentioned, family emergency. He's going to be back on the show, ladies and gentlemen. He is going to be here again. We'll announce it, obviously. And it was it's like 60 minutes with Greg Gagne. You know, the show... TV show, 60 Minutes, and it's, that's, that's how emotional it gets. It's, it's passionate. It's very intimate when he's on. He's just telling it like it is from the heart. 
and we do it here on Pancakes and Power Slams. She doesn't do this anywhere else. I mean, it's they talk, hey, say this, say this, and say this, talk about this situation. But here, it's like Chris asks him a random question, and he just goes on a tangent that just, yeah. I hope it never <laughs> ends. I mean, that's just the thing. You just don't want it to end. And it's it's absolutely beautiful. It's music to my ears. Glad to have you back, Chris. It was great last week, but we got this week. Episode one eighty eight. What have we got in store tonight? Thank you, sir. It is it is great to be back here live on the show. And um yeah, and you're right about Ganya. I mean, you know, it's so funny when uh, there just the formatting with some of the interviews, you know, I they're they're willing to do the show. I'm I'm grateful for them to do the show, but you know, there's there's some interviews that I actually have, you know, a list of questions written down as far as formatting is concerned because the person isn't, you know, we don't have like a, a, a pretty, a very good connection as far as just from a conversational standpoint. But when I start asking questions, you know, it'll start bringing out some things. But there's there's those certain interviews where it's just that natural conversational storytelling feel that, you know, just vibing off each other and just I love those interviews. I've done many, many interviews in my journalism career, but I love those interviews and Greg Gagne is one of those guys. Uh just this year alone, uh J T G was like that too. Uh Matt Taven was was like that too. Uh great guy, just just a real stand up, you know, humble guy. Appreciate, you know, where he is in the business. I actually saw ROH last uh two weeks ago. And uh well, a week and a half ago, and it was great. I saw I went to Glory by Honor, and it was a fantastic time. It seems like every time I go to, I've been to many ROH shows, but it just seems like every time I go to an ROH show, I just have a little bit more fun and excitement than you know the WWE shows that I've been to, and I haven't missed a I haven't missed a WWE live Raw or SmackDown since. I think 1999, uh, so I'm at a 16-year streak of uh, all of the Rawls and Smackdowns that uh, are alive or, or, or come to my town. So, uh, so yeah, that's, it goes to show how dedicated I am about you know going to live events. Uh, but ROH, every time ROH comes to my town or, or surrounding cities, I'm there. I, I drove about an hour a little over an hour uh, to see ROH uh, a week and a half ago, and uh, it, w- it was a great time. So, fantastic. And, of course, you can see those Glory by Honor results um, on com. There's the cheap plug right there. And uh, if, if you're listening uh, somewhere else, thank you, and you can stay there if you'd like. But if you if you, if you think you're – Pretty good in some wrestling trivia. Go over to WAWNation.com and join the prestigious class of of of, uh, of chat room experts over there, uh, and go to the live comment board and, and partake of the uh, live trivia that we have every week. So we have a fantastic job with with doing that. Speaking of that, speaking of that. The longest reigning television champion in history, the in WCW history, uh, 
the longest reigning television champion in WCW history. Who in the world is that? That is the first question of the night. Who is the longest reigning WCW television champion? So, Denver, Colorado hosted WWE Raw. And I must say, this is the second consecutive week's week that I have been mildly impressed with Raw. We on, we're on a consecutive thing here. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to get too happy, but I think with this advent of incorporating new people, I I'm I'm a big fan of it. Uh, you never know with the WWE because, like I said in my interview, uh, in, in my in my article, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Rug pulling is is commonplace these days, but just the uh, you're seeing that is is one of those things like when you when you're so stubborn not to do something, and when you finally do it, you're like, oh man, I should have done this a long time ago, and that's what we're starting to see. We're starting to see them putting more time on newer names, thrusting them into the main event scene. Uh, main event scene. And, you know, a legend, someone who's been in the business for 40 years, uh, Greg Gagne said that. And, you know, he, I don't know if he read my article. He, uh, he may have not, probably probably didn't. Uh, but he, he, even he said it. <laughs> and, and he probably had no idea that I was going to put that in my article and just if someone legendary like that who was who had a great mind in the business very creative mind if he can say something like get your batch of you know upper level talent to groom them to be in the in the position to take that top talent that it's a tried and true method and we'll, again we'll talk about that uh, here in a little bit as far as the Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression, and even before then. But you just have to give someone else a chance. And, uh, you know, they're, they're they're kind of teasing that a little bit. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be because, you know, come, <laughs> come December we'll see Cena again, and come probably April or May we'll see Orton again. So, you know... Uh, I don't know how, you know, at least we got another month, a month and a half, you know, to just see some, some fresh booking. Unfortunately, it may not, it may end, but at least we get to enjoy this much. Uh, the Raw over, overall was decent, but at least, you know, the, it left us with some a good concept. I mean, having a five-on-five Survivor Series match on Raw, of team team Reigns versus Team Rollins, I mean that was uh, an excellent idea. That was one of those Bischoff moves that uh, the WWE act, acted like they had some competition, so they actually spent time in booking a, a very main event pay per view quality match, and, and you know had the build in the very beginning of the show. So you know that was that was fantastic. One thing that they did. Again, make a big mistake about of doing was getting putting a mic on Roman Reigns again. You're having him start Raw. Yeah, Denver's not a smarky town, but it doesn't matter where you are. 
do not, like I said on my article last week, do not put a mic on Roman Reigns. Bad, bad idea. If you want to really push this guy, accentuate his strengths, protect his weaknesses, either give him a mouthpiece that's, you know, a, a baby face style mouth uh, mouthpiece that can put him over as a baby face. Someone, you know, maybe like a Armando Estrada or something like that that <laughs> can uh, put him over as a, as a baby face, or someone to that nature. Uh, that, ha- that that's a gimmick in himself that can kind of shroud the you know the the, the gimmick the overexpressive gimmick of Roman Reigns be- and make Roman Reigns more of a bad boy monster you know enforcer type character like he was in the beginning and what put him over with with the shield so that's what you need for Roman Reigns don't just keep putting a mic on him and expecting him to just just throwing him in the fire build him right get a mic off of him and let him work his way up you know even if you want to kind of insert him into little small bits of mic work throughout the next couple months but don't just put a mic on him for and say here you got 5 minutes go and read and read this script here absolutely horrible idea i have no idea why they continue to do that i don't know why they do that i mean one of the reasons I don't like Roman Reigns is for the fact that he he talks. He's not good at it. Hide that. I mean, the guy's garbage on the microphone. He's good in the ring. Keep that. Make that the vocal point. I'm not saying go get him a manager, but I, he's not a aiming guy for sure. But he's got a lot to offer. Putting a microphone on him just dumbs the idea, if you want to put it that way. It just makes him more irrelevant doesn't do anything for him. It just makes him look almost just as stupid. I mean, because anybody can go out and do what he says on the mic. He just doesn't have that natural charisma, or he hasn't built it yet, or whatever. Coming through the crowd, I'm getting kind of tired of. It's been done so many times. Just come down through the ramp. That's fine. Don't keep beating a dead horse with that. So, But uh, I agree. So far, Raw, it was, it was decent. It wasn't the end-all, be-all. I like the Survivor Series match, except for the ending when it ended in DQ. That's what you're going to expect from it. What else could you do? Because, you know, you got Survivor Series coming up in a couple weeks anyway, so you got to keep some suspension built. But uh, pretty much my take on Raw. we got a lot more to talk about Raw tonight, but as far as that goes, that's the way it was. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't like New Day either. So, and then, you know... I, I, I was. I, I'm telling you, I'm loyal, man. I, if I like someone, I'm loyal to them, uh, except for uh, maybe maybe Ryback. You know, I was I was a I was a fan of Ryback for a little bit, but uh, Ryback is as interesting as uh, an ant carrying a piece of um, uh, an ant carrying a, a crumb. That's probably. I think an ant carrying a crumb is more interesting than Ryback, actually, right now. So that's how bad to me Ryback is, and it hurt, and it hurts me to say that because, uh, and I was I was a big Ryback advocate for a long period of time, and I'm not totally giving up on him, but he just interests me to no end. But at least with Roman Reigns, though, you know he he's showing in the ring that. He he 
he respects the business enough to improve. And I've been watching the break. I've watched the past two Breaking Ground episodes, which is actually pretty good. And interesting take that William Shatner is the narrator of that. I think that uh, I think that Ganya, the great Ganya, he has that voice, that narrator voice, to to actually do what Shatner's doing. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a cool take that William Shatner's the narrator to Breaking Ground. But I think that someone like Greg Gagne would add that wrestling appeal, especially since he's so used to training camps like the Performance Center. You know, Vern Gagne, other than Stu, Hart, other than Stu Hart, Vern Gagne is the king of training camp. Uh, so, and, and those uh, Stu Hart and Vern Gagne are the two people that 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 popularized the training camp. So it would make sense, it would make perfect sense for Greg Gagne, Vern's son, to be a narrator of a Breaking Ground series that talks about just busting your butt in the business, going through the the proper training, going through the promo work. And I like it. It's a great great take on the backstage, kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit, but not too much because it differentiates itself from – you know, the actual business. It's like watching a DVD, you know, of the business, like Beyond the Mat type of thing that that came out years ago, 15, you know, plus years ago, uh, around that at least. And so I like that. I like that type of concept. So, yeah, kudos to Breaking Ground. I like it, and I'm looking forward to watching the, the, the episodes. And it just makes – it would just make sense for Greg Gagne to be – uh, a, a part of that from a narrative start, uh, point of view. It, it also makes sense for Greg Gagne to be in a training camp. I mean, again, his dad was Vern. His dad was the king of training camp, or at least the prince of it. You know, him and him and Stu was, you know, neck and neck with their king, the prince. And so, yeah, I mean, him being a part of the Performance Center would make perfect sense from his lineage. And uh, at least some narrating, you know, the show would be would be perfect. But yeah, I man, that's the reason why I'm still with Roman Reigns. You know, I wrote an article last week to pretty much uh, summarize my thoughts on that. As far as you know, um, give him a chance, at least give him an opportunity to develop his character. He's he's at the end of the day these days. And Austin said, that, you know, I, I didn't watch the, I didn't listen to the uh, the interview, but. I read a lot of commentary about it. Um, you know, he he mentioned that. Um, well, I didn't listen to the interview uh, yet, at least. But he was talking about how uh, the, the the business. Oh no, I think he was. Yeah, it was uh, Fox Sports. It was an interview for Fox Sports. I didn't I didn't listen to it yet. Um, but he was talking about how the business is so restricted now, like. You don't have any creative control. It's everything is just bullet points now. So at this, it's really so much harder for someone these days to really break out and become that larger than life character, like Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan and you know the Undertaker. It's really hard for people to do that because you're so bridled by the the series of writers you're so bridled by you know the bullet point formats that you have to do you really can't go too far off the script or you'll probably get yelled at or reprimanded 
So it's really, really hard for people, especially if they're being groomed in the WWE like a Roman Reigns, it's really hard for them to become breakout stars. It's it's easier for someone like a Seth Rollins or a Dean Ambrose to become that because they have years of indie work. Someone like a Roman Reigns, on the other hand, it, they're at a disadvantage, and I don't like that. I don't like that you're at a disadvantage because you wanted to become a wrestler, and you become a wrestler. You know, we've had a series of people over the years, a number of people over the years who played football and become became popular wrestlers. Lex Luger, Vader, Ernie Ladd, you know, Goldberg. There's been... Uh, a quite a, a quite a success you know a success a good success rate of people who played football and, and became successful uh, wrestlers. So Roman Reigns is that guy too. Played football in Georgia Tech. So give him a chance. Give him get let him be that Lex Luger. Let him be that Vader. Let him be that Goldberg. Let him be that Ernie Ladd. You know to actually become a breakout star and not be so bridled by the WWE you know, iron fist, uh, this is what we want you to do, and you can't veer off too much. And and it's, and it's really going to be tough for these new advent of wrestlers to actually break out because of that. It is, and it's really sad to endure that and actually watch that as a fan. As a very knowledgeable wrestling fan, I've seen generations. I've lived, you know, I've seen three generations. I've seen two generations at least of pro wrestling in my life. At least two generations. And it's it's tough to see that. It's tough to see how much freedom and expression and it was all about characters back in the 80s and the 90s. Now it's the WWE wants you to say this and do this because they have to please the sponsors and the shareholders. And I understand, you know, I have no, I have no problem that it's a PG program at all. I have absolutely no problem with that because, you know, before the Attitude Era is a PG program too. So, and you know, we, we, so it wasn't. I don't think it's the PG that's that's changing that that makes a big difference. Uh, but I think the fact that you're not allowing characters to become. To, to to really live out themselves and live, live out their own personalities, you they have to be forced with what you give them. I'm not a big fan with that. And you know, Dolph Ziggler. The next the next the next match is Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler. I think Dolph Ziggler's kind of in that vein too. Like they just he's Dolph Ziggler. That's who he's going to be. That's it. Kevin Owens, on the other hand, he's moreover because he has that indie appeal. He had he's had years of indie. Dolph Ziggler is just you know he's the WWE guy for the, for the most part, and you know Spirit Squad. You know he's had some work with in WWE developmental, but at the same time, you're Dolph Ziggler. This is who you are. This is what you're going to do, and that's it. So that's the reason why he's been under a, he's been in in a ceiling for so long to me. Um, so it's it's sad. I mean, yeah, he had some time in OVW, but you know he wrestled in high school, OVW, WWE. He's a WWE guy, and so you see that. That's the reason why he's never he's never breaking. He, he he's never he's never just kind of crashed that ceiling. He's been champ a couple times, but just never really just broke that ceiling completely. And it's 
it's sad to experience that as a fan. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, for the fact that, well, the thing is, when you're in front of an indie crowd, you want to get 20 to 60 people to get behind you. And when you can do that, you can bring it into the bigger crowds. I mean, you just keep practicing that, and you practice and practice and practice. Two or three shows a week, whatever it is. It doesn't matter how many people are in that crowd. If there's 10 people in that crowd, you want them to notice you. You want them to be behind you. You don't when you start out with a few people and then all of a sudden 20,000 people, you get, right. you can't do that. You can't make that transition. And it's, I totally understand and acknowledge what you're saying. It's the indie people that really, they put the time in, you pay your dues. That's what it is. People nowadays don't really want to pay their dues as much, or they just get picked out. We're going to make you a star. It's like you, you say a lot of times, use the word organic. You're not organic. You just want people to believe what you think you can do. You know you can do when you're an indie star and you keep going to crowds. You got 20, you got 60, you got 100, you got 200. It keeps growing and growing because people want to see you. They talk about you. So that's why you get natural emotions from your Kevin Owens. And it's anyway, it just comes to the point that, you know, Roman Reigns, he's got to build himself from the ground up being a professional on the biggest stage. It just doesn't happen that easy. So, I mean, it's, it's like cutting your teeth. There's exceptions like the rock. He could, he did it. He did it. I don't, he doesn't really do any of the indie scene. He was indie for maybe a year. Then goes on to be WWE. Rocky Maivia doesn't work, does the rock, does his personality. But that's on the individual. That was him. For the most part, you got to build into that. And Roman Reigns just is not the rock. He's not Stone Cold. So it's, you know, he's starting from the ground up. He's going to need more time in the big leagues as far as being in WWE than a Kevin Owens or somebody that can play the crowd and know what they want mm-hmm. and deliver. Yeah. And and that's true. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, like I said, with Luger and with Vader, you know, with people like that, with, especially with Goldberg, it's, I mean, you know, you, you don't have many people who are lightning in the bottle. You, you just really, in, in the history of pro wrestling, you just don't have a lot of people like Goldberg was lightning in the bottle. Kurt Angle was lightning in the bottle. Brock Lesnar was lightning in the bottle. And those are three people who... That that's really it. I mean, those three people were really lightning in a bottle. You really, those are probably three of the most it factor pro wrestlers in the history of the business. You don't get people like that, uh, you know, hardly ever. And in the prestigious, long, you know, very very long, you know, list and 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 history of professional wrestling. You know, to to just name three people that I can think of from the top of my head that, you know, are really the it factor, had that it factor, and just didn't take long at all to become huge stars. It just goes to show how much, uh, how much, how the process is for everyone else. You know, it's really not, if I just only named three people that actually have that it factor, there's no one who engages in the pro wrestling business that should expect for them to have, you know, to be a Goldberg, to be a Brock Lesnar, or to be a Kurt Angle. You're just not. I mean, you you could, but, I mean, like I said, lightning in a bottle. 
I mean, that's really the chances that you have to become that guy, that it factor. You know, I think I think that pro wrestling needs that again. I don't know who it is. I don't know who it could be. You know, but I don't even know if that's possible anymore with all of the bridling that the the, the writers and the in the WWE has. I don't even know if that is, that's even possible anymore with Kurt Angle. You know, he wasn't a very he wasn't a good promo guy in the beginning. But he had that athletic ability to just run laps around, you know, just about everybody he wrestled. So people were so enamored by his pro wrestling style. And, of course, with Brock Lesnar and, you know, Bill Goldberg, they were just two freaks of nature. I mean, they uh, Brock Lesnar had a wrestling background. Bill Goldberg had a football background. And both of them were just, <laughs> I mean, they were just freaks. And people were people just gravitated to them because of their enigmatic, you know, an anomaly of you know anomaly character, and their gimmick was just so you know attractive to fans that it just worked for them. I don't know who it could be. I don't know you know. I don't even know if that type of booking would work these days especially if you're just forcing if someone goes on a winning streak and just i don't i, don't, I really don't I mean it's a really good this is a really good thing to think about would that type of booking even work these days because people aren't even people aren't happy a lot of people aren't happy with the force push feel you know goldberg had that it factor that people couldn't help but to look at him when he was wrestling, you know, people like Hugh Morris, you know, and uh and Mike Enos and people like that and, and, and Jerry Flynn, you know, early in his uh, in his WCW career, people was like, Who is this guy? Then he started doing the spear, uh, you know, and and he started to just he was a monster. And and people it would be interesting to think about. I mean, I know we have a a live uh, stream going on right now. You know, feel free to uh, voice your comments, and I'll say I'm live on air. Would that booking style work these days? You know, would, would that would that help? So, yeah, uh, very 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 interesting. What, what do you what do you think about that? I, it's, it's very. Weird style booking. You got the Brock Lesnar's, you got the Bill Goldbergs. Roman Reigns just doesn't fit into that. I mean, he just doesn't really have anything else. They had the, the football background. It's just like you said, lightning in a bottle. And it's something that just doesn't happen that often. When it does, you have to hone on to it. Maybe the WWE missed out on with Roman Reigns. But it's just the fact of the matter is that the guy, he fits the character, he fits the build. I mean, he can prove it in the ring. He just can't prove it elsewhere. And, and that's about it. It just, you know, football background helps because you have the body for it and the intensity. But it just doesn't translate into, well, I mean, you're just an all-natural gifted athlete. And you have the heart. That's the thing, the heart with the wrestling. You have to understand what you're doing. You can learn the moves. Anybody can learn the moves. You can... You know, practice and practice, learn the moves, know how to body slam, know how to suplex, 
but you have to get the people behind you. And that just doesn't translate with Roman Reigns. And Goldberg had the intensity. Vader had the intensity. You could get people behind them just for the fact that they were who they were. I mean, it's just, it's a natural, it's an it factor. Not everyone but you has. Think, but, you, but you have to think about this, though. Vader and Goldberg, <coughs> excuse me, Vader and Goldberg back in those days, they had so much more freedom than someone like a Roman Reigns and eventually a Baron Corbin, you know, someone, you know, people like that have, you know, like they, they have people, someone like a Roman Reigns has the look, he has the intensity. I mean, Roman Reigns is an intense person. He, he's an intense guy when, you know, when he does those moves. He has very intense style moves like a Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. The Superman punch is way over. You know, even the crowd, you know, last week, you know, in, in, in uh, San Diego, who was booing Roman Reigns in the beginning of the match, ended up cheering him at the end when he won the four-way because the, the, the drive-by and, and the, you know, the, the jumping clothesline and especially the Superman punch, those are those are captivating moves. Those are moves, those are signature moves that people are still in awe about, just like the spear was. You know, when he when see that's you have people these days who actually cause matches. You've all, for for you know periods and, and long history of time, you've had people who actually called matches. But you know, in the old days, most of the time the the wrestlers. The, the two wrestlers would call their match together, but now, you know, for for a little bit, you you've had you know people who call spots, you know, so it's even kind of hard for for wrestlers to really enjoy themselves in the ring without someone kind of adding you know their their two cents in it from the backstage. But still, I mean, just the, the spot of. The pop-up power bomb that's countered by the Superman punch—that was probably the most over spot of the entire night in San Diego last week. So it, it can work, you know. We <clears throat> there's a there's a comment here on the WAW, uh, you know, live chat said yes, it would. You know, having Reigns work as a dominant U.S. or IC champ, he would have gotten over. And I and I agree. I, I totally agree. I think even now. If you would have had Roman Reigns uh, be in a feud with Kevin Owens, I think that that would have been to me. I think that would have been better than inserting him in the world title in the world title hunt. Or if you want to insert him in the world title hunt for SummerSlam, I would still kind of t- work on that because it seems like Reigns and Owens are still having like a little, you know, mini feud. I, I like that. Keep that going because. Kevin Owens is a perfect person to feud with Roman Reigns, and I'd even be okay with uh, Owens uh, having uh, a, a match with with Reigns, and, and even possibly, um, and even and even possibly Reigns winning the Intercontinental Title from from Owens, and then. At at Survivor Series, you have Roman Reigns uh, as Intercontinental Champion against uh, Seth Rollins um, for for that. And even there's so many there's so many possibilities. You could have had Roman Reigns 
you could have had Roman Reigns win the Intercontinental title last week. You could have had Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins uh, on Raw next week for the Intercontinental title. Reigns wins, and then at, at Survivor Series, you have Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the world title. And then you have Ambrose come in, turn on Reigns, and that leads uh, to a Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose Intercontinental Title feud for the for the you know next few months. That would be more intriguing than what we're seeing now, and that was on the fly. That was just totally on the fly booking that I'm sure would be much more intriguing than than what we see now. Uh, Tyler Breeze uh, post match money shot, you know Mox Dolph Ziggler. You know, this is a mid-card feud that uh, doesn't have much life in it to me. Uh, to me, this is just something that's feeling, filling in Dolph Ziggler for, you know, probably the next month or so. Nothing that's going to come out of this for either person. Uh, Tyler Breeze is a, is a good wrestler, but at the same time, I I see nothing from this from this feud. Nothing at all. Dolph Ziggler... Even if he puts over Tyler Breeze, I don't see how that will move Breeze up. If Breeze puts Ziggler over, that's not going to move Ziggler up. I don't see. I see both of them in the exact same spot they are now after this feud's over. Yeah, when the feud's over, nothing much is going to happen. Tyler Breeze, I hate to say it, he's like a fondango. He's got uh, his selfie stick. The whole thing was just absolutely. Who put that together? Who thinks that's going to be a good idea to put on Monday Night Raw? Absolutely disgusting. It's just it's boring. I'm, Dolph Ziggler deserves much better. He can do a lot better. And the same thing with Owen. This match is this feud's not going to go anywhere. With Tyler Breeze being there, doesn't really add anything to it. So it's like, like you said, three months from now, everything's going to be the same thing, except Tyler Breeze will be moved to main event, and you're not going to see anything else from him. Yeah, and and even and even with that busy work for for Ziggler, I agree. Great comment, and that, that's exactly what it is. But even we have to think about with the Goldberg push, he did not just automatically just ascend to the main event. He won the U.S. title. A lot of people forget that Goldberg won the U.S. title on his way to being a main eventer. So he still had that mid card you know, kind of climb that he had to do when he feuded against Raven, you know, for the for the United States Championship. So let's not forget that. He still had to pay his dues in a way. That's the reason why I think that Roman Reigns, and I've said this all year, go back to to previous episodes of this year, I've said this all year, Roman Reigns need to win, needs to win a mid-card title. I wish Roman Reigns would have been the guy uh to you know uh to to win the US Open challenge because we'll talk here about Mex America in a little bit but I, I have my strong opinions about Mex America. Let's move on to Cesaro defeating Miz. I talked about Cesaro on my on my uh my article. You know, they keep pulling a rug from this guy. This he he has the poster appeal. He has the poster look on him. He's over with everybody. He's probably one of the top, probably the top three best wrestlers on the entire roster. His music actually works for him now. And it, it's funny, and I've said this on a previous show, his music was absolutely horrible at first, but his music is perfect for him now. It's, it's funny how that works when he became babyface. 
He he can wrestle. He's an amazing wrestler. The Cesaro section is his brand now. It's putting him over. You can have Cesaro section shirts. There's your merch. He you know he can be a merch magnet. He has the look. He's over. I have no idea why Cesaro is not a main event wrestler right now. I I, ha- I mean no, he's not a WWE made machine, which is unfortunate that you know he he's he's being he's being held back because of that. And like I said in my article, I've talked to people in the WWE, and they said you know. Sometimes he's too nice in the back and just kind of accepts whatever's being handed to him, which should not have anything to do with his push, but unfortunately it does because you have people politicking. I've talked to other people, you know, who's had experience in the WWE, and they've told me how much people politic and who politics. And so you're going to have the politicking game in the backstage and it's unfortunate that, you know, much respect to Cesaro for, for being such a class act in that way. But, I mean, numbers are numbers. If if you see a ratings increase, if I was Cesaro, I would, I would keep track of the ratings of, you know, moments when he's in big spots. And, I, and every time, if he's contributing to ratings increase, even if it's a, a point of a percent, I would present that to Vince McMahon every single time and say, here you go. This is this is my contribution. I'm not a liability in this company. I'm an asset, and I can make it even better if you give me an opportunity. That's what I would do if I was Cesaro, and I think that it would work because even if Vince McMahon puts him in a sink or swim situation, he would swim laps and not be tired because that's how amazing Cesaro is. You know, hashtags give Cesaro a chance. You know, forget D- give Divas a chance because that, you know, came and gone. Give Cesaro a chance. This guy should be in the main event, hands down. And we talk about that every week. Cesaro is the brass ring. He can do so much. And like I said, he should be a main eventer. Him and Ambrose going against each other when Ambrose was in the main event at the time. I mean, forget about it. These guys could tear the house down. Cesaro, he's exactly. Why, what does Vince McMahon have against this guy? Or anything. I mean, for the most part, Cesaro beat Miz last night cleanly. But again, who's the Miz? The Miz is irrelevant anymore. It's almost like seeing Jack Swagger a little later on Raw. And uh, beat him cleanly, great. Why not? He's been so much. And it's almost, they built him up like they almost did Ryback. And I, 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 I agree with you, Ryback, totally irrelevant. I don't care about him anymore. But Cesaro still has that little piece of something that you just, you want to see him flourish because he can do it. He's got the swagger. He's got the smile. What's going on with you, WWE? Why do you hate this guy so much? Trample on him. Let him beat the Miz. Uh, the Miz, another guy that could have done better. He was world champion, but you just kind of let him get mixed up in the mid card. And that's what you're doing, Cesaro. Cesaro would flourish if he had went to ROH. If he went back to NXT, he would flourish. Forget about it. WWE, what are you thinking? The guy is absolute marvel. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Cesaro is NXT champion. That would be pretty interesting. Um, he actually went back down to NXT uh, earlier this year. I saw, I went to a live NXT um, showing. Uh, it was actually on, actually, I went to two NXT shows this year. Um, and one of them was on TV. And the first one, I think, was a dark match of himself and uh, Neville. And it was a absolutely fantastic match. Zaro was still a heel at the time, or kind of slowly becoming a face. But, uh, yeah, he, I think he, played, he, played, <laughs> he played the heel against Neville. And... Um, it was it was awesome. It was an absolutely amazing match, and yeah, and, you know, the Miz. I have no idea his relevance uh, anymore in the WWE. He, you know, I other than Breaking Ground, I would say my favorite original series in the in the WWE, WWE Network would be Table for Three. I would say that's my favorite original series because I really like that show. Again, you know, I'm I'm that I'm that guy. I'm that guy who can sit around for hours and listen to stories from wrestlers. I just I love the business that much and appreciate the business that much that I would just soak in stories from old wrestlers. I, you know, I've had a few legends on here. You know, Jim Brunzel was on here uh, a couple months ago, and. Uh, he he shared some really good stories too, you know. He he had some some awesome stories. But Ganya, I mean, that's that's the reason why I just soak in, you know, when Ganya comes, you know, when Ganya comes on the show, and uh, we text each other back and forth actually quite often. But um, he he just I just soak in what he, what he has to say because he's been he's been on on the mat and he's been on the creative side too. So he has that executive, you know, angle. He has that executive standpoint, and he has the in-ring, you know, standpoint too. So he has both vantage points to give, you know, oodles of stories about. That's the reason why I'm just soaking in so much. And I love Table for Three like that too. But, you know, I, I can respect Miz in a sense of, you know, what he was sharing in Table for Three, how – you know the vignette, and I agree with that. With that, with that promo, that vignette before he came out on twenty at twenty seven, you know, I was like, wait a minute, this, you know, it took a minute or so of creative to create an amazing vignette to actually make me to actually suspend my thoughts for a while and say, wait a minute, the Miz actually belongs here. In the main event, and it was it was such a good it was such a good package video package that I got to give it up to him. It was it was great. So and he mentioned that on table for three, and I think uh, I've talked to other people who who believes that too. But yeah, I mean, it was good while it lasted. You know, it would it'd be uh, coming up on five years. You know, since Miz was relevant in the in the title scene. It's crazy that that was five years ago. Uh, and his mania was four and a half years ago, but it, you know it's crazy that it's been he's been kind of wallowing in the mid card since then, and it's it's crazy that it's actually been that long. But you know time flies, but he's still like he said he he main event at WrestleMania, and and just the people who come and go you know in 
in the business, there's not a lot of people who can say, I've main event at WrestleMania and won. So as much as Miz is irrelevant now and as much as I could care less about the Miz, you know, we got to give him that spot. You know, can't say much about that. Uh, Bray Wyatt promo, I I mean, what are your thoughts? Did it it do anything to, to, to add more suspense and intrigue to the current angle with uh undertaker and kane the, you know he, he added the video part part of it and talk about he has their souls do we see new people added on to this feud is it just the brothers of destruction against the wide family and a handicap match at, at SummerSlam, or are we actually going to get two more people in this i said randy orton last week but that was before the diagnosis of you know the 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 shoulder being more a lot worse than I thought and than many people thought so he's gone for the next uh, four to six months so he may be back in time for mania. Sting his neck is just you know is only he's only had a month and a half to recover from such a horrible neck injury that said could be career ending so you don't want to put bring him back prematurely. Dean Ambrose is always a ch- always a shot. You know, he's been wallowing and feuding with Bray again. So, who, I mean, who do you think could be addition? I know you kind of talked about this last week, but who's your with with everything kind of panning out, who's your two? First of all, is there going to be a two and who's your two if there is going to be a two to be on the Brothers of Destruction Survivor Series team? Brothers of Instruction, it's just like you said. The perfect scenario would be Sting to be in there. Probably a three-on-two. But, again, he's injured. The Undertaker is the Undertaker. I mean, the guy's bless his heart. And then you got Kane, who's, you know, they could make Kane a powerhouse again if they really wanted to, but it's just not believable because Kane's just a patsy. So, it's. The vignette last night with Bray Wyatt was just kind of irrelevant. Yeah, everyone likes to go see the old stuff with The Undertaker and Kane. Brothers of Destruction, the perfect, yeah, Dean Ambrose, but he doesn't fit in. He's not the same class. He's not the same caliber as, you know, what Kane and Undertaker legends have told us to be. I don't see him fitting in there really well. So I think it would be a three-on-two or three-on-four, sorry, three-on-five. Against uh, Undertaker, Kane, Brothers of Destruction. You can see Sting in there. He would be limited. But, again, can the Undertaker go a full Survivor Series match? Kane obviously can, but just not. The whole thing just seems kind of sour. And Bray Wyatt, I love the guy to death. I think he's an awesome talent. But the WWE just hasn't built his character. The guy's been beaten so many times. It just It's irrelevant. So, it's. To me, Ambrose and Sting would be a great addition. Again, I don't think Ambrose fits into the Brothers of Destruction. Sting would, but again, he's injured, so what are we going to do with him? I, I, I'm i kind of at a loss for words. It's, to me, it's just it's kind of a cluster of a match. I don't think it's going to be much of anything. It would be great to see The Undertaker and Kane win, and if that happens, that's just going to bury the Bryant, Bray Wyatt even more than he could ever be. I mean... It's so much smoke and mirrors. It's so silly anymore. So uh, the feud seems great, but just 
the way the WWE's build it up, it's not really anything that's going to be that much big on the table for Survivor Series. So, again, it's not a big fit for anything. Nothing matches to me. So it's it's kind of up in the air. But I don't believe that you know either Sting or Ambrose would be a great fit. I think Sting would if he wasn't marred uh, enough this year. Because here's the problem. I don't see all four, or, or at least three of the four, surviving against the Wyatts, especially with Braum, you know, them wanting to push Braum Strowman a little bit, you know, Braum Strowman a little bit. So I, I wouldn't say, I would say at least Taker and Kane would be the last two, and probably not even Kane because he's so prone to lose. So Taker may be the last survivor, I guess, the Wyatt family to kind of send them off. And I really, to be honest, I really hope that this is a send-off match. I I could I could do a, I could be I would be perfectly okay if if Taker does not wrestle 32. The only thing is is that it's in you know Dallas, Texas, and he's a Texan, so he mo- he most likely will you know wrestle 32. But just the you know what he's going through, just losing against you know Brock Lesnar at Hell in a Cell. Uh, you know, it's 25 years of The Undertaker. It would just make sense for him to win. I don't think, you know, it's kind of like when Undertaker talked about making people famous, you know, with his streak. Losing the streak put people over, you know, and, and that's how it was with Taker for a long time. Losing against, and so for someone to have that ama- that type of appeal was absolutely amazing to me. Losing to someone put someone over. And, that's how it was with Orton. When Orton lost to Taker and put him over, uh, even when Mark Henry lost to Taker and put him over. So it was, you know, I remember one time Rhino lost to Taker at a SmackDown. You know, it put it put Rhino over. So that 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 appeal, you know, you're protecting someone so much that losing to them puts them over. And I think it that's how it was with Bray Wyatt at at at, at WrestleMania last uh, this year. You know, he he lost to the Undertaker, but it was at WrestleMania. So Brock so Bray Wyatt had an opportunity to face Taker at WrestleMania. That is absolutely incredible. So if he if Taker loses to Bray Wyatt, you know, the Wyatt family had an opportunity to go against the Undertaker 25th anniversary. It won't it won't affect Bray Wyatt uh, a bit. I mean, he's already in a, in a point of not really making huge leaps and bounds. And I think that they're building them up good enough by saying, I've taken your soul, so that's already putting him over enough. So even if they lose against the Undertaker, eh, you know, it, and it's the Wyatt family too. It's not necessarily Bray Wyatt. It's a four, you know, it's a four on four elimination match. So it really wouldn't make much of a difference if Bray Wyatt loses. Uh, I see a lot of people talk about how much it would hurt Bray Wyatt if he loses against the Undertaker. No, I don't think so. If, if you're talking about an eight man match, no. If it was another singles match. You know, then I could probably understand the gripe about Wyatt losing again, but it's an eight-man match. Uh, you know, 
I, I don't think it's going to be much of a uh, of a hurt for for Bray Wyatt. And then Lucha Dragons defeating Beard and Sheamus. Looks like they're trying to push Lucha Dragons again. Max America. Let's spend about a couple, just just probably ninety seconds to you know a couple minutes on on Max America. Beat our truth on SmackDown and on Raw. Um, this this was dead weight from the very beginning to me. Pairing Zeb Coulter with uh, Alberto Del Rio. Now it seems like Jack Swagger is probably going to make another heel turn again, which I don't think is going to do anything for him. Uh, you know, aligning himself with you know she. I mean, he was with Vicky Guerrero with with Dolph. Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero was the most overheel, you know, in the WWE for a number of years. So if aligning with Vicky Guerrero and Dolph Ziggler didn't work as far as getting heat, and aligning with Zeb Coulter initially didn't work with getting heat, I don't think that a heel turn and aligning himself with Mex America and teaming up or just kind of being together with Alberto Del Rio, I don't think that's going to make any difference whatsoever. Again, you're just trying to make something out of nothing. You're, you're trying to make, you're trying to make something out of Jack Swagger that is totally not where he should be at all. It, it just makes absolutely no sense at all. I don't see no payoff from, and you know, you had the. The backstage segment, you know, to me is just going to lead to, you know, Jack Swagger, quote unquote, seeing the light and teaming up with with Del Rio, and it's just it, it, it this this sunk from the very beginning, and it stunk from the very beginning as well. I this Mer this Mex America gimmick is just a total waste to me. Yeah, it's a waste. You bring in Jack Swagger. I mean, I almost forgot about him because he's been a while for a while. But it was the uh, the whole U.S. title with Del Rio. I mean, you should make the stipulation of the U.S. titles. You're always going to have the open challenge. That would be absolutely awesome. It looks like they're going to go away from that now. Bring in Jack Swagger. And Jack Swagger, probably they're going to be a tag team, him and Del Rio. And then they're going to face off, and it's going to be Jack Swagger against Del Rio. And Jack Swagger's probably going to lose again, and Del Rio's going to go on to win. Max America wins. Goodbye, Jack Swagger. So there's nothing there. Like you said, there's no payoff to this. There's nothing at all. I don't see any good coming out of it. It's just going to be another filler material that WD throws down our throats. It's not going to be anything good. They'll be tag team for a while, and then they'll end up hating each other. And Del Rio's going to still have the title. Swagger's going to be nothing. Yep, absolutely. Who was the ninth wonder of the world? Who was the ninth wonder of the world? We talked about that Reigns and Rollins, uh, and of course uh, Paige is the number one contender. Um, yeah, we, we we know we know that that was going to happen. That was pretty much a pretty much a given. So decent raw. I was uh, actually pretty satisfied with it uh, in comparison, at least. So. Flavor of the Week. Let's go. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, let's go. We got a 
couple, a few minutes, real quick. Let's go to the title changes with uh, Survivor Series '92 to '97. There were no title changes at uh, Survivor Series 1992 and 1993. The Smoking Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championship changed. <laughs> Heavenly Bodies defeating the uh, Rock and Roll Express. Uh, 1994, um, we saw uh, Bob Backlund uh, um, win the WWE Championship. Uh, uh, against um, Bret Hart, that was a very memorable match. Um, he, uh, uh, with um, Helen throwing in the throwing in the towel, so that was a that was a very very memorable match. And then '95, we saw Bret Hart defeat Diesel uh, to win the uh, WWE Championship. Uh, very very interesting match there. 96, um, we saw the, um, no, there was, uh, 96, there was no, there were no, uh, title changes, if I'm not, oh, yeah, 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 Sid beat, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels for the WWE Championship, uh, that was a pretty lengthy match, I remember that, Jose Lothario, and then, uh, 1990, actually, when we were watching that match very vividly, uh, when Jose Lothario was with, uh, Shawn Michaels, and then '97, uh, of course, we we know that uh, you know the St- Steve Austin unfortunately breaking his neck, uh, but still winning the Intercontinental Title uh, against uh, Owen Hart, and then of course uh, Bret Hart losing to Shawn Michaels um, for the WWE Championship, uh, two back-to-back title changes. So, out of those five years and those title changes, Derek, real quick. Uh, give me 60 seconds of which one is your most memorable title change for those five years. Uh, the most memorable, obviously, 97 with the screw job. I mean, he got it. I, was, I remember watching that vividly, like you said about the year prior. You know, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin breaking his neck. I mean, it was, even watching that, I remember seeing where he just kind of, you know, Sunset, not sunset flip, but just kind of went behind his legs, pulled him over, one, two, three. Honestly, I mean, I, to me at that time, I was like, what's going on with this? That was just such a weak pin. But then you realize he broke his neck. After that, you've got the Bret Hart being pretty much out by uh, Vince McMahon, the uh, Brett screwed Brett. Yep. That's the most memorable of all time Survivor Series. Honestly, it was it wasn't a classic Survivor Series match, but that was when they were kind of getting away with that. They had a little, a couple singles matches in there. And then, you know, throughout the 90s, Survivor Series was kind of, it was okay. But that absolute pay-per-view probably changed one of the moments in wrestling history as far as just what happened after that, just the whole format, how Vince McMahon reacted after that. So, I mean, that was everything. Survivor Series 1997, if you can top that WWE, I want to see it this year. But if you can't, yeah. then it'll be just like any other year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick, uh, someone asked uh, about the TV title. I did not uh, cover that yet. Uh, great uh, question. Great way to ask again. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Steve Austin, uh, beginning of 1991, it withdrew from NWA, became WCW. And Steve Austin is the longest reigning WCW uh, 
uh, television champion uh, nearly a year, um, 329 days. Real quick for me, uh, like I said, the, uh, Bob Backlund and Bret Hart, uh, Helen thrown in the towel, that was a very poignant moment for me. <laughs> and, of course, the screw job and then Owen Hart. But, yeah, I would say I would say uh, the screw job being number one, the number two being uh, uh, Backlund and, and Bret Hart. I remember watching that match and, and just total – just you know, my my feelings were very hurt. Unfortunately, <laughs> next week we are going to is the go home show uh, for Survivor Series. More Survivor Series trivia, more title change talk. Thank you, Greg Gagne, for taking time away from your family emergency. Much much respect for you. Awesome stories. We'll have you back. Until next week. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you all for being such avid and amazing fans. And kudos to that person who made the. Uh, 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 the, uh, the the ring for 2K16. So thank you so much. Awesome stuff. God bless. Next week. Goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.